2: I'm sure many of you will have heard of the Engheta, the Mafia Princess, Marissa Marisiko.
1: The finger you do, the thing with the blood, it's totally different. When you're born into it, it's so different. How does your mother in Blackpool
2: end up (laughs) with with the Godfather? She
1: would turn around and say, right, he's done that, kill him. While she's making the pasta. (laughs) Yeah! When you've got a lot of money coming into the point where you've got a money machine, who do you trust? I'm talking about AK-47 bazookas. We sent them down, I took them down. Helicopters, there's all this trying to find him and he sat there eating in this restaurant. We used this coach with legitimate people going on holiday. And this coach is full of cannabis. <laughs> Two IRA, Brighton Bombers, Mary Hinley, Rose West. I was inside with them. I
2: know it's a bit cheeky, but do you think you might be able to convince your dad to come on and, and talk to us? If
1: you make him an offer.
2: Yeah, I'll always make him an <laughs> offer. Tell him Big Terry's going call him, to call him for a
0: sit down. One size fits all seems like
1: a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host.
2: So, I want to say a big thank you to all their sponsors for making this podcast happen. Without you, we wouldn't be here. Stargaze Entertainment, thank you so much. These guys are hosting celebrity events up and down the country, giving you the opportunity to get up close and personal with your favorite celebrities. Sure Pure CBD, your natural path to wellness and balance. Dream mentoring for your mentoring needs. If you need some positivity in your life, Tom Smith is the man. And finally, to Carson and Case Solicitors, the UK's leading criminal law firm, to help get you out of any tricky situations you may find yourself in after watching this podcast. To find out more about any of their sponsors, click on the links in the description below. Welcome back to The Criminal Connection. Um, We've got an extra special guest today. Um, She's been billed as a mafia princess. I'm sure many of you will have heard of the Ndengheta, Italian mafia crime family. They are the number one Italian mafia crime family in the world. Uh, The rumour is they turn over 30 billion Pounds a year, and eighty-five percent of all cocaine that comes through Europe is basically down to them. So uh, I'm honoured to have um, the mafia princess, Marissa Mariscio.
1: Uh, nice to meet you, Terry. Yeah, thank, thank you for you, thank having for me, joining
2: us. And um, I mean, I have read your book, and uh, I've got to say, you know, it blew me away. I've, I've always been one of those kids. Um, you know, I'm sure anybody when they're sort of 16 or 17 that um, loves, you know, crime films, they love the romance of the Mafia. They love the, uh, the idea of this code of honour. Um, and, and, you know, I think films like Goodfellas and Casino and The Godfather yeah. make people think, you know, the romance of being in the mob, you know, so.
1: There's always the air of mystery, isn't there? They always want to know a little bit more, even though. A lot of people are against crime in general, aren't they? But they're very curious about that life, that lifestyle. I
2: think all the people I've spoken to over the years, I think they'd like to be in the Mafia, but they don't actually want to get shot and put in jail Mm. or murdered. Take
1: the risk. (laughs) Yeah, so, you know, of course they don't know what he does, do they? So, Mm. you know, when it comes to our family, we were born into it. Right. You know, we're going back to the late eighteen hundreds that it was formed. Wow. Um, so we're generations of it. My nonna, which is my far, um, my father's mother. Right. Um, she was born into that. My father was born, and obviously I was born. So right. we're talking about generations of it. Yeah. And and it's a way of life. It's not right. um you know, you don't sort of, the initiation into the family is from very young age. Right. From my father. Things that they made him do. Right. So where you then look at the American crime families the initiation is you cut the finger, you do the thing with the blood. It's totally different. Right. When you're born into it, it's so different. Right. From I mean, I mean that's really you're already you're already in it right. <laughs> basically. Yeah. 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 So,
2: so you don't have to be initiated. No. I mean, did they? Do, did your family take outsiders, or did you have to be born into it to be?
1: The outsiders would be a cousin of a cousin, a friend. Uh, that's, that sort of was married to someone that's... Um, they'll be somehow related, right. even if it's three times related, right. so you know, anyone, down the line. So it wasn't really um, for,
2: for outsiders, it was always...
1: Yeah, he did, and they never took just anybody from the street. They would have right. to be someone that was trusted. That was right. the main... It's a trust. Right. Uh, which, in the end, was the thing that brought my family down, because... Right. Uh, that trust just went
2: and what what i'm fascinated about is how does your mother
1: mm.
2: in blackpool <laughs> end up um with with the godfather i mean it, it it sounds like a crazy story right mm-hmm. but i'd love mm-hmm. you to yeah share. so
1: she went as an au pair to milan right in 68 1968 right. she was there a couple of years and then she met she met my dad and after about six weeks, I came along. So it was a, a whirlwind, <laughs> sort of. You know, in them days, it was a uh, difficult, you know, for contraception and things like that. Right. So <laughs> it was sort of. But of course, then uh, he, was, he was he was only twenty; she was twenty-four. Wow! So he was a really young man. So Emilio uh, was a fast star. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, he used to go and pick her up, and um, he had a different car every right. day, and she'd say. Well, why where's these kids? Oh, my my father's got a garage. Right. He didn't. He used to nick the cars and <laughs> pick her up <laughs> and then just dump them, you know, and then just nice fast cars, you know. And th- that was at twenty years old. And my mother is completely oblivious. Obviously she'd come right. from <laughs> from Pol- just outside Blackpool and, and she she wouldn't ever dream, but right. then she she said she started to sort of realise, hang on a minute, go back to my nonna's and there was twelve siblings. Right. So my dad would say, Oh, these these are the kids are from upstairs, <laughs> from the lady upstairs. You know, because obviously he was 20 right. and the youngest um, was a bit older than me. And then actually I came along and at the same time my nonna was pregnant with my auntie. There's a one month difference between wow. me and my dad's youngest sister. Right. So, <laughs> and actually my, my nonna breastfed me. Wow. Because my mum couldn't, anyway, she actually breastfed but, I mean, you used to, have, used to have, that, have that in the Victorian times, didn't you? The, right. The, um, the milkmaidens or something, they used I mean, to it, call it, them. Uh, but actually, my nonna, that's how close I was to my nonna, that blonde wow. was from. And would you, I mean, I, I take
2: it, you know, uh, at that time, you know, you, 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 you've you obviously been born. Um, what happened with, with, with uh, your mother and uh, Amelia? Did that?
1: Did yeah, it was. I mean, he was very young um, and he started going with other women. <laughs> of right. course, my mum wasn't going to put up with that. And right. they split. I think I was about two. Right. But then she decided to stay on. She loved my family. Right. I was, you know, I was a grandchild. So, it altogether, she stayed about 13 years in Italy. Wow. So, right. she stayed till I was nine. Right. And then the family started going into heavier crime. So, you've got to... So, the family started from a which is the andrangata that you spoke about, right. from the toe of Italy. Right. So, you've got the Cosa Nostra, Sicily, Gamorra from Naples, right. and the Andrangata is from Reggio Calabria. Right. So, um, they, she then transferred herself with my nonno to Milan right. in the mid 60s and uh, decided to sort of have her own clan up there right. in the life of crime. You've got to remember, my nonno, till the day she died, couldn't even read or write. She wrote an X as a signature, but she's in the Archibald's Italian law book. She's right. one of the highest-ranking women in the mafia. Wow. I love uh, the name uh, as
2: well in the book, uh, Granny Heroine.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's bad. It's not a good... It's did not you a good. call her Granny no, Heroine? Or? No, no, oh, wow. I didn't. No, the newspapers did. Right. No, and obviously the authorities, because right. that's one of the things that they used to sell at, at one point, right. Right. and my nonna did, and for her sins, you know, she had children that became hooked on heroin. Right. So she sort of paid for that, yeah. for doing that, which is, but you've got to understand, and I'm not condoning whatever my family has done or my nonna, and my nonna was such, she'd be up at six cooking for 20, 20 of us. She'd have the stray dog in, she'd right. give you a last penny. She was, she was so home and family based. She, just she never like... went out the door. But, yet she would turn around and say, right, he's done that, kill him. Right. <laughs> While know, she's just... making the pasta. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, it was like that. It was crazy in the way. You think, that's... that's, But that's the environment right. we sort of grew up in. And, right. um, but as children, you don't pick up on that till later.
2: With your mother, I mean, did she... Um, when did she sort of start realising that, you know... He doesn't have a carriage.
1: Well, he no. Well, obviously she went in there, and then she, I was born, and and then obviously she fell in love with the family. She loved right. the siblings. She realized they were there. They had right. to stay there for a while. Right. I was little my nuns. I do I have no idea where because it was right. two bedroom house right. with twelve, so and and children. So I, I just I have no. But then they went. They moved out. But she loved the family, and right. she did get pulled into things my my mum. Right. And that's why she made the decision at 9 years old in 1979 right. that she wanted to come back to the UK she was scared right. of what would happen to me as well. Right.
2: Your no sounds like some somebody everybody wants, you know, everybody would love to wake up in the morning and there's all this food being made and then there's lunch being made. I mean, you know, I've I've I, my life revolves around food. So yeah. <laughs> I've been in heaven. But yeah. um when you when you was born, obviously Growing up in that environment, I mean, what was it like? I mean, you must have fond memories of waking up in the morning. You got all these people around. There's all this food, and there was probably that real close sense yeah. of yeah. That's family. what I.
1: That's what I always say. That see, so I went. I came back to the UK at nine, and I went back at seventeen. I met my my father's. I'll, I'll get to your question. Sorry, I'm just going no, around about way, fine, but fine. I met my the the father of my daughter, my eldest. Lara, and I fell in love, and that pushed me to go back. Right. But there was a lot more, it was the family environment, the love, the affection, the, you know, i am not seeing my family, ah, you know, your cheek. Right, right. <laughs> and you, and the cordial, you know, and the kiss, you know, both cheeks, it's the closeness, the warmth of it, the loyalty, the love, the everything, that people don't seem to think, oh, this is a crime families, and mafia families. But, you know, there is all that as well. You you can't, you know, it's not just uh, the bad, the bad, the bad. You are a family, you are, and Andrina is family, that's what it means, the origins of it. It's a family, and that's the difference, you know, when you get the organized crimes where organizations They're all from different mothers and fathers, and (laughs) you know, where's the the, with us? It's all we're all connected, we're all blood related, it's family. So, it it wasn't just that. And then, obviously, but the thing is, you know, I I always say I went back into that at 17, all these reasons I fell in love, and then this, and my father wasn't happy that I was with him. He didn't speak to me for a year, he was just coming out of prison. Um, it was there was a lot going on, and um, but he, I. That's where I wanted to be. When you, right. you talk about choices,
0: yeah,
1: I was actually looking at being uh, going to America and to um, working on a, a summer camp. Right. I was doing business studies. Wow. I was, I was, I was looking at, and then I fell in love with my daughter's dad. That's it. My life completely took a different wow. route. And then I wanted to go back. I love my family. Anyway, I used to go every year. You right. see, the mistake my mum made. She took me away at nine because right. she was afraid of. What would have, may have happened, right. but she took me back every year for the summer holidays. Right. So of course we were stuck in the UK. Not much family. Um, certainly not as big as that and as close as that. Right. My mum was on benefits. We had nothing. We, and then I'd go there, and we had everything. I was a princess, and you right. know we'd go with one suitcase, come back with three. Right. And, and my nonna used to give her money, she'd give her... I'd have the whole outfits for the whole winter and summer till the next summer.
0: Right.
1: So there was a lot of that. So how how can... And, you know, I speak to friends and they'll say, we would have made the same choices, and you would even at 17. You
2: look, you're look. You're you're you in, you're in rainy Blackpool <laughs> looking at that thing and we're going to we have beans on toast. So you can be there and you can have lobster pasta every night.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, of course there's an element yeah. of that. I'm yeah. not going to lie. You know, yeah. it's, it's human nature... Right. You wouldn't be human, and I'm not going to uh, sit no, here and say, oh, the, the, of course it was the glamour, and the, but of course as you went along, you took risks. It right. wasn't that glamorous. Right. You know, and, and you think, oh, yeah, you t- everything didn't come easy. My dad made me work for what I got. Right. Well, you know, his women didn't work for it. <laughs> right. Right. But I was his daughter, and I should have technically not worked for it, right. but I had to.
0: Right.
1: But it was my way of showing, I'll show you. So... My father's only just started to admit this, but right. I had very much daddy issues, right. because my father is very old school, who wanted a boy, right. wanted a boy to carry on. Right. So he got the girl. So to the point where this is an underlying subconscious, I was told about this, but I feel later on in life, of course now as a criminologist, right. moving forward, it was like a therapist, so I looked at everything. Right. So. When this has come up with this, now I was in a restaurant with his friends and him. I was eight years old. Right. And he went on so much about this. I want a boy. that He made me cry. Wow! And one of his friends knew my mum and he told my mum. Right. Now my mum told me this story and he didn't, I just thought, well, you know, but as I've got older, more mature.
0: Right.
1: So when I went back and I started doing things with my dad, I didn't care. I didn't care about Having this, that, getting paid, having nice things—I wanted to show him that I could do it. Right. That he didn't have the boy, but he had the girl with balls. Excuse my expression, right. because <laughs> my uncle used to say that you're the boy—you know, you're the boy wanted, but you're the girl with balls. Right. You know that you—you you know that—and he was shown that I can do this.
0: Right.
1: And I know now, as I've got old, this isn't making excuses because I committed crimes. Right, right. <laughs> it's absolutely not because mm. I did them and I did my time. So I've accepted that, but there was also an element of that. But it's only as I've got older that these daddy issues, I realized that a lot of, because I I am very much like him in character. Very stubborn, very strong-minded, and I am a survivor. You know, for all intents and purposes of him wanting this boy, he does have a boy, but I'm not gonna say he's nothing like me. (laughs) Not the youngest, the one that's, Sort of a bit older, anyway. We won't get into that because yeah. I'm sure my dad doesn't really want me talking right, about right. it. <laughs> but um, he's, he's not the boy that he wanted. that he would see.
2: So you, you've sat him down since and said, "Dad, you know, you got your boy, but I'm your favourite okay. girl."
1: And yeah, <laughs> there you go. You know, I'm, I'm the and the one that you wanted. Mm. What you thought a boy a boy would be.
2: Do you know what's funny? Um, when I when I um had 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 my children. I um, long for a boy, maybe it's just a man thing, you know. Um, And and then I had a boy and then I had another boy. Mm. And then my wife sort of said to me, oh, you know, we've got one more go, you know, and I want to try for a pink one.
1: Yeah.
2: I was thinking, do I really want another boy? Do I really want a girl? You know, I just went, okay, whatever. And we had a girl. And I've got to say, as a a father having two boys and then having a girl, um, the girl was a completely different experience. And um, I think in a way, if I'd have had the girl first, I might have been actually, I wouldn't mind having another girl because the girls, for some reason, when they're younger, they're always sort of like little daddy's girls and the boys oh, yes. are sort of always mummies.
1: Even you know? uh, the older they're yeah. daddy's girls. But you tend to, the boys are a lot more sensitive. Right. You tend to find that they are. The girls a bit like cats, aren't they? They won't come to you unless <laughs> they have to come to you. <laughs> you know, they won't, unless they want that, you know, they are quite harder in certain oh. ways, the girls. Yeah. Um, whereas then you get the boys growing up to be harder than the girls in different ways. But, they, you know, I tend to find without being sexist here right. or that women are stronger in other ways. Absolutely. As we know, Absolutely. you know, um, maybe not physically, but... Um, so I think that was a shock to my... Mm. Uh, to my dad, I guess, mm.
2: with me. Um, and growing up in, in Milan, obviously, you know, as, 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 as a child, obviously, you grew up really as an Italian, because um, you were an Italian. Yeah. But did, you know, did Did you get to a point where, you know, you started sort of thinking, this is obviously, you know, you, you sort of become aware of what the family did? Or was, do you think that was when you when you came back to England at that point, that's when you start to realise? Or, yeah. Or,
1: yeah sorry yeah it was actually so we we I w- nine years old she took me back right. to Blackpool my mum and we used to go back every year by this time 79 my dad was on a run to America right. for shooting somebody that died he was on the run for about 3 or 4 years so next time I saw him I was 13 and even though I kept going back every year between 9 and 13, this certain year I went back, I went to see him in prison. Right. And, of course, from 9 years old to 13, you, I was already, I looked like a woman. Right. know, I was developed, I was, you know, I, right. and my dad was shocked too. So it was only then that I, re- I really saw, oh, we're going in prison.
2: There's something and different.
1: So when people say, when did you actually realise it was 13? Well. of course, you're more curious, you're older, you, you sort of want to ask questions, even though I didn't. Right. And you become, you know, you're presuming things, you're more right. curious. When you're smaller than that, I just tend to think, especially back then, just it's different now. You know, they've got phones, they've got this, they're far more advanced than what we were, yeah. that generation. We're yeah. talking about early 80s. So mm. um, it was different then. Yeah.
2: So yeah. so when... when so obviously, when you saw your dad in in prison, um, you know, it must have been really tough for you because obviously, you know, you you wanted to relationship with your dad. So having that sort I of... I had a lot of
1: resentment for him back then because right. I when he was on the run, he had another couple of children. Right. Uh, and all he did, did was he actually, ring me. Did he actually
2: tell you and say, oh, by the way, I'll...
1: Yeah, and he rang me to say, oh, you've got a sister, oh, you've got a brother. That's the only time... And I was so angry because wow. that's the only time he rang me. And I was jealous. Right. Well, I'm... I was his only girl, and now, well, I don't think I was anyway then, but then it's come out after that he had other children. Do you, think,
2: that, do you, know, do you know what's funny um, like from a ma- man's perspective- uh, and He's from very a selfish,
1: and from sorry. A, and, from a,
2: and from a woman's perspective, what's funny no. is, is, is you know, to most people, right, you know, if if that had happened, you'd be thinking, I better not mention this, because it's gonna upset
0: <laughs> my wife. He
1: was very selfish, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. My dad was so, in what was going on at that moment, yeah. He was here, there, and everywhere. He admits that himself. He'll tell you, he'll say, I was very, very within. You know, he just didn't think beyond. He. I mean, I have now the best relationship with him that I've ever had in my life. And he's in his 70s, and I'm in my 50s. You know, so I suppose it's never too late.
2: I mean, I suppose the only redeeming Thing is at least he rang you up and told you because obviously, if he hadn't told you, and then 10 but years later, you
1: got I'm like <laughs> Yeah, but at the time, it's like, which is best? Right. <laughs> You're upset a child, then, yeah, or, or yeah. so by the time I got to him at 13, right. I was a bit like stubborn anyway. And right. and he saw this young woman that when, I, he, yeah, when, when he then, rings
2: you, it's like, that, let me guess, you got another one,
1: yeah, <laughs> <Is> no, <laughs> no, yeah, no. So, right. but it was, um. I was always obviously I was his first. I was his girl. I was always, right. I, I he probably spent more time with, with me than any other of my siblings. Right. Apart from now, he's got a young one that he has spent right. time with, right. but um, so he's got a few. <laughs> right, right. So uh, the, I had some that I don't know. I've right. never met them. Right. Uh, so
2: and, and then obviously you're going through this while he's on the run. Obviously he's in America. He's in New York. Um, was was the was the family um, connected to a uh, a family in New York or, or?
1: Yeah, so while he was on the run there, he was uh, he was he actually had a restaurant with somebody there, right? And he was still carrying on doing oh, obviously c- crime, right. <laughs> right. crime. So he was connected to the Gambino, Joe Gambino, right? Uh, Gotti was right. S- somehow in the picture, right? Um have his own tales with that. Right. Um, and, and at one point, he was on a speedboat with Marlon Brando's daughter. Wow. Uh, doing something probably shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> um, you know, it's, there's all sorts. I mean, he's got wow. so many things that he wow. did over there. And he was a fugitive at the same time. Wow. Um, so when he's, he was
2: in, when he's in New York, um, so, so how, how did he sort of, well, you know, he's, he's shot this guy dead <coughs> and he's obviously got to go. So
1: he was supported by the family, right? So obviously you can't be on the run. You can't be a fugitive without money, can you? So he was supported by the family. The family were importing drugs into America, right? To him, right? And he had connections there. How did they get him out out
2: of out of Italy into America? Then he went
1: under a false passport. It was my 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 nonna's brother's passport. Right? He looked very much like him. Of oh, right. in them days, he just swap the pictures. Right, right, right. And it ha- had they looked at specific, you know, right. beard, this, uh, right. it's not beard a, a mustache, and right. he looked very much like him. Right. Um, and uh, you know, like I have an auntie that's similar age. Right. Her brother was similar age to my daddy. It's crazy, you know, you because re- we are having so many children. Right. A lot of us at similar age. Right. Um. I used to hang around with my own, my father's uh, brothers, right? Because they were a year or two older than me, right? <laughs> so they were my generation, not right. my father's. You know, it was that's how big the family was, right? But um, so while he was over there, he, and then he he actually can't remember. It was some traffic violation that they right. caught him on. Right. Realized who he was, that he was wanted in Italy for murder, right. basically. Right. Um That's when he got extradited in '83. Why? And it's a time when I saw him. And then he, would, he did some time there. I mean, even in there, you know, I realised my nonna used to take me, so she used to stop at the the actual main place in Parma. He was in Parma prison, Why? you know, Parma ham, Why? Parmigiano, the, the cheese. She used to go actually where they made it wow. to pick up. So, so in Italy, you get a package of five kilos Why? of a package you can take into the prison to them. Right. So it's either two and a half kilos of food, two and a half of of clothing, right? And you can do this every week. Wow. Yeah. So, or it can be all food, or you can be all clothes. So it's it's it. So they check it all. But I remember, the my nonna used to stop at all these the best, you know, best things to pick him up. And then he had probably had twenty kilos going in, right. and then we found out later he was literally. Uh, the governor of the prison when he's in his pocket and he was actually being taken out <laughs> on the weekend to eat at the governor's house. Wow. Out the prison. I mean, that, it go- does
2: sound like a scene in Goodfellas,
1: doesn't it? <laughs> a, yeah, he's uh, in his suit. He used to come in his suit and we'd be away from all the rest of the prison visits. Right. And he'd be all suited and booted, and I don't think, you know, they were all the rest, you know, with right. looking bad like you do in prison right. and you, you're obviously not got... Nice, clean shaven, smells nice, suit, right, right. And obviously then I thought, this there's something, in my family's not, something going on, right. as I said, at 13. Yeah. Then the curiosity, and, and then of course, but then you never talk about it, and you can't ask questions. Yeah. You know, people say, well, you think you can ask questions, you can't, but it's out of respect, it's not yeah. because you fear. Right. You fear the answer, you fear the reply. But it's out of respect you down. Out so, of respect.
2: so what? So what age would you say you, you really sort of realised you know what it was about? Would you say
1: from s- at thirteen I realised there was things not right, but obviously seventeen. Right. Seventeen, I fully. And was that sort of when
2: you met Bruno when you were seventeen? Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh, you know, I mean, I mean, tell us about that. I mean, you know, because he
1: was my well, he was uh, my uncles. They were like they were into crime. He didn't need to be, he came actually from a really good family from bakers. Right. They had baking the shops. Right. Bakers they used to supply the council, the schools. Right. They were very wealthy parents. He had you know, he had private school, he had right. and he had no need to be in that life. Right. But of course he was a black sheep of the family and right. he became involved. I think he just liked the he was just one of them. He was well known. Right. I actually didn't like him at first because right. all the girls were. And who does he think he is?
2: How did he sway you? What did he do? He made me laugh. Right. Okay. <laughs> he
1: made me laugh.
2: Right.
0: Right.
1: That's how. And I thought. And I thought. Mm, I'm looking at him a different way now because right. he, he made me laugh. Right. Um. I think he probably knew that by then. That I wasn't gonna. There was no way I was gonna like him in any other way probably. Right. Um. And then that was it no all the family were against it as i said my father was and, and then my nonna said no they're in love leave them alone give them a chance right. and everyone had to accept it then right i mean he right. got a few slaps from my uncles i'm right. sure yeah. he would have from my dad right. if my dad could have got old of him right. but you know the more you make somebody not a teenager not do something the then more a teenager wants to do it right so he's probably the be- the not the best way to go around it
2: right and 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 then, you know, obviously, when when was, would you say that you and Bruno was was official? You know, you, you was actually allowed well, to sort I, of
1: yeah, uh, pretty much straight away. Right. Then we started getting deeper in the life of crime. So he right. became sort of my dad's, as my dad. Then he he was sort of released eighty eight, right. maybe eighteen, and then he started building the, the empire back up. He's right. obviously been inside. We lost and we'd. So I mean by the within 3 years he was making millions wow. and he but he was he was the mastermind of going abroad. He was the one that you know I had another uncle that was quite high up but very much in Italy. Right. He didn't venture out into. he did but he did not like my dad. Right. So I guess my dad was sort of the mastermind behind it my nonna was the logistics. Got it. Got it. So without one Without the other, they couldn't do anything, really. They were the strongest ones. You know, my dad would bring in, so let's say a shipment came in. Right. Of late times, it was cannabis. Right. We were supplying nine countries were involved. We were supplying Europe with it. And so we're based in Marbella. Right. And, um, well, in Milan, but we kept, obviously. Right. And um, so if a shipment came in, there'd be tons of it. Wow. that my non not already knew it was going there, it was, going, it was already sold before it came. You know, he'd have 300 kilos. He'd have did so you, many kilos. Did, did
2: you like. Have,
1: have
2: a I never touched. No, oh. I,
1: yeah, no, it was garages. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. it was garages. And then what happened? They paid the people that had the garage, sorry. Right. And and they mainly garages, people's garages that obviously didn't, uh, all over Milan. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, a lot of people that were supplied were. Well-to-do, right? Like nightclub owners or people—they will—they had money right, right. from different, legitimately. Right. Some of them I couldn't get my head around how, why would they would even risk? Do you just think it's just become a
2: <coughs> thing ingrained in the culture where you're doing it, I'm doing it, she's doing it, we'll all do it? Yeah,
1: I think a lot of it though over there was because I had, had a backup of my family. Right. You couldn't just, you know, like in England, it's different. You could just op- open up a shop doing crime where you want. No right, one, right. where's in it? You can't do that, you know, especially right. in areas, even if you're in out in the sticks, it'll be somebody's territory. Right. So they'll want a cut of, um Now, because these people used to come to us, they were untouchable. Right. Because they know they'd have the backup from my non and my dad and the family down south.
2: Obviously. Your dad and, and you know when they was building this, this empire, I and mean obviously you're now sort of there with Bruno. I'm and there
1: building it with them, really. Yeah. What, and why is that? Because people say, "Oh, don't you resent your dad for getting you involved in? You're so young." But when you got a lot of money coming in to the point where you've got a money machine, because that's how much money's coming in, who do you trust? Right. Well, if it's not your closest, and that, I had, sorry, I had the bank account, which, right. you know, that was mentioned. Nigel Farage had one of them. Yeah, <laughs> Well, actually, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when it was all out, they actually mentioned my dad. That right. he, my dad, Emilio Di Giovanni, had a Kooks bank account. So if all these people had it, and Pinochet was it, someone else that oh, right. was mentioned in the papers, but my dad was mentioned next to Nigel Farage. That <laughs> If he could have it in the 90s, he was, wow. you know, why can't... So, which I find it quite amusing in the way that even now it's talked about. But... Uh, So we had a joint Coots Bank account, so I'd go and deposit money, I'd go in, but I'd arrive with, you know, I'd I'd be, I'd have like, sort of, if I flew over to Geneva, you know, the Bridget Jones knickers at the time, you know, all stuff, (laughs) so I'd probably look as big as I am now, but I was... Do you think,
2: do you think Bridget Jones modelled herself on your knickers from me?
1: Maybe. (laughs) 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 <laughs> maybe it was before that time wasn't it right. so uh, but
2: that was literally so that you could just bring the cash in
1: yeah so right. I'd, I'd, I'd all around and then of course when we used to move the monies apart from just you know going paying for shipment down southern spain so we drive from milan right. 10 hours to seville right. where we had a contact there um panels of the car right. you know we used to put the money in we'd have to take it out before if, if you stopped halfway right because we couldn't trust even you if it was in, in, in the, the car, You know, hundreds of thousands left in the car. <laughs> wow. So what I'm saying is, how can I? I, I get it because my father. Who could he trust? Because right. even closest family members. Right. And I'm not being. But you couldn't when there's money involved. Right. I'm sorry, but it changes people.
2: And when you went into into the bank, which it was coots, yeah. Did, did, was it literally like walking in with two? Two two big bags with <laughs> cash you take. Yeah, yeah sometimes, the yeah. Wow.
1: And I I told you one time which I really got slated in the papers for. Right. So it came out that um I gone to Coots Bank to withdraw some money and I'd actually taken my daughter, Lara. Right. So at the time I had a little uh, she was only she wasn't even one. Wow. Uh, you know, the but you then you put on a pram. A car seat. Oh of yeah, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a car seat. Yeah, yeah. So I had this car seat and I'd gone there on the, it wasn't, it was all of a sudden and I'd gone there because actually by the time I had Lara, I was drawing myself back massively because I really thought, oh my God, I've got a child now. I right. have responsibility. It hit, really slapped me exactly what I was doing and it scared me, right. you know, because it wasn't just myself. So this one time I went, it was actually the, she was the, uh, man, the manager, bank mm-hmm. manager, Sonia, she was called. And she got done, by the way, so I'm not. And I didn't take a bag with me. So she said, I said, oh, I thought, where am I going to put these packs of money? So inside the the carry cot, if you will, the the car seat, was grooves. Right. So she looked, she went like, put it in there, under the baby. (laughs) So... Afterwards, it came out, I think in court or whatever, on right. the newspaper. Ah, oh, she used her child to, and right. I thought, actually, it was it was the, the manager that <laughs> said because right. I'd gone with not even with a bag big enough because right, right. obviously I was, I'd, you know, I was baby sort of brain and things <laughs> like that, and it was a last minute thing, and right. but just to show that you know it's not all you, of course it's organised, but right, yeah, a lot yeah. of the things it's just spare the moment, you know, you just and. People think, oh, you're just laying in bed all day, and you do. It. Actually, it's not, right, and right. you're risking so much. You can be out at four in the morning doing the job. Right. Um, you know, you you got to put a lot into it. You weren't expecting. And going back to my father, right. a lot of who he was with, women they didn't have to lift a finger. Yeah, right. I was risking. Saying that though, right. the the last lady was with, he had a child with, which right. is my sister, which is my daughter's age. Right. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. We right. all. Um, she did 13 years wow. just for a conversation that she was having a laugh with a friend right. in regards that she uh, showed the soldiers what to do she told them what to do right. she was having a laugh because right. actually she was, wasn't really involved in anything Wow. I did far more than she did and I got less do you know what I mean but wow. in the phone conversation right. they were tapping all the phones so that's what they were based I mean I think a lot of What we went down on in the courts in Italy, it would never have been admissible over here. Right, right. It would not. You wouldn't, it all was based on people that then started talking.
2: When you you were talking about, obviously, this cash, what would you say is the most amount of cash you've seen in one room? Mm.
1: Uh, Probably not short of a million. Right. I and mean, we're talking in different currencies. Right, right. I mean, my dad had a deposit box with a million pounds, right. English, in five pound notes. Right. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy because imagine the amount, right. but it was in five pound notes. Wow. Which obviously got confiscated. Really, right. you know, it got frozen and yeah. Did eight kilos of gold. Wow. <laughs> there was there was a lot of. I know it sounds five pound notes. Imagine the mountain, but it did. But that was when five pound. pound
2: notes were a lot of money.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I mean, now you can buy a cappuccino. Well, <laughs> but it just shows you, you know, it was right. from obviously from the streets.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and, and but at that time it was cannabis. Right. But then we we supply the Dutch with cannabis. They supply with then ecstasy. Right. Because it was all coming in then. It was the years of the ecstasy. I mean what was uh, what was
2: would, would you would you say the family's mind wh- was it was it drugs or was it everything was it sort of protection everything
1: no, no um, sorry I, no weapons military weapons uh, the protection side of it wasn't so much right um the, the, my, i mean my nonna so she lived in this area piazza prealpi for years and years anyone that tried to go to a shop there and extort them and say right if you don't pay this we will put you in through to go to my nonna the people from the bar or whatever, so right. they've just threatened me. And my non- oh, have they? Right. So she'd actually keep the peace. Right, right. She don't have that anymore. Right. But she'd never take the money from us. She would looked after them. Right, right. And they looked after her in the way of if police had come round, or even though we had a few police in po- in our pockets. Right. Obviously, we knew when we were going to have raids, not all the time. Right. But most of the time, you know, we'd had a raid once, and I remember I was. Uh, with my dressing gown, I somehow I, I managed to put some money around me. I was sat right. in the kitchen on a t- on a chair, under there was a tile that was loose. I had a gun in it. Right. But they never used to look at the women.
2: Right.
1: They wouldn't search us or even look at us. Was that your nan's gun then? Uh, well, it was one that was kept in yeah. the house. Okay, just funny too that yeah. was. Well, you were in that life. You're not right. gonna. You've got to, to have something. Not that you'd ever expect anybody to coming to your home. Right. But that's the life that you live, you, you wouldn't, you know. And, and then we did go to war. My. The family down south was to war with other rivals, with other family. They started up in the north, they put money. When my, I got married, my, my dad couldn't come because he was wanted by police. And then he had, um, a th- on his head, you know, someone had put, it was about 100,000 pounds. and. My dad was really insulted. He said I'd give him two hundred to go away. <laughs> you know, it was like, how dare you? You know, and and, and But it, of course, they were scared of my dad because my dad is uh, he we would act.
0: Right.
1: He wasn't. My dad has to kill people. He's not yeah. just this because right. a lot of people are just that. Right. Because they want to put the fear in you. They—they they were scared of my family more than ever because of my father, my dad, right. because he was someone that he was—he wasn't crazy of spare the moment but he would do he would do what he and like now you know he's changed his life he does what he does but and people say well is he not scared that well no but because apart from the fact he's 30 years on right people move on right but also he may have changed his life but he's still the person that he is right you know people say oh you're a different person then I said no. We're not different people. We're the same people. Older. We just, <laughs> nah, you know, but we just to think differently. And of course, we're we by by the law. Right, yeah. um, but it doesn't mean to say we're still not survivors. And if, you know, especially my father.
2: I mean, we've we've uh, when, when the sort of rivalry happened, and, and you started having these sort of wars and issues with with people trying to obviously, was it because they wanted to have a piece of your business, or was it because they wanted to do their own f- version of what you were doing. I mean, what was the, 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 the war about? So the, the, there was a war from 89,
1: 1989 down south with our families, with others in the Andrangata. Right. It was really bad. We lost a lot of family members. Right. At that time, my father was coming up more and more in the world, as I was explaining, within three years. He managed to get weapons and arms, uh, you know, military weapons. Wow. I'm talking about AK-47s and bazookas. We sent them down. I took them down. Wow. At one point, do not even that. That was. Well, an did, you have, did you ever? Uh, we we had a car. that had an underneath
2: right. sort of. I've always said, th- did you have a Volvo estate. I could No,
1: no, no, no. It was actually a Citroen, an old <laughs> Citroen. Right. We made a and you know got a garage to do a sort of how do you call it an underneath conversion, handle right conversion. That. Right. But I never forget. I went with actually my daughter's dad, and uh, sort of 10 hours to go from Milan to round about that to Calabria. Right. There was a war on as well, so we had oh. to be. And I'll never forget, we stopped at a service station and there was two cop cars, Carabinieri, right. which are military police, right. they're harsh, you know. So, bra- I mean, we're so brazen, we just parked right next to them. Got out, <laughs> got a coffee and a sandwich, a panino. <laughs> and got back in, and, and we had bazookas in the, and they never even looked at us, but if they had dogs, thank God they didn't have wow. dogs. Or, wow. But I, I just think, oh, what was I thinking? But so I was 19, 20, just, the way, I didn't think, so it so, was my family.
2: So the way people met, met their end in this war, they were getting a bazooka through the window, or a machine yeah. gun. They, they, they didn't
1: have the, the military weapons that my dad got down there for his family. That's what ended wow. the war my dad sending the weapons down there to them and paying for them um but i mean my dad dad was at a point where he was going to be quite high up in the family down there right because he had his his uh, man's cousin that he was talking to he was the highest high you know in the hierarchy was the highest member of the family then he got arrested there's so so many things i could go on Forever um, with. Uh, and
2: with your with your dad, when he uh, <coughs> obviously had that thing with that guy, what what actually happened? Because um, uh, before he went to to New America, York, yeah,
0: what what happened? So
1: this guy, he was uh, in a group. He, they were kidnappers. Right. So there was a lot of kidnappers back then, late seventies of uh, in Italy of. So I very the, wealthy people. I John Paul
2: Getty? His son got kidnapped, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. I'm not
1: sure, I don't think it was anything to do with them, but it, right. they were quite high-profile, um, you're talking about government and that as well, they kidnapped the children.
0: Wow.
1: And they wanted a ransom, they got it. So they, um, this group of people, which this guy that he eventually shot was involved, um, my dad, dad didn't have anything to do with kidnapping. He didn't agree with it. He didn't like it. Right. So he'd this guy tried to sort of undermine my dad. So my dad was supplying someone with something. He, this guy came to my dad and said, look, such and such has bad, bad mouth mouthed you, that you might be doing this. And my dad said, well, why would I do that when you're an asset to me? Right. I'm selling you this. You're coming making me money each week. Why would I do that? Right. But he was a, a liability, this guy. Right. So what happened was my dad actually was already going to go to America because he wanted right. to get away. He had a few things going on and he, right. he was police were trying to find him. Right. So he'd, he, this story, I mean, it's, he'd hid his, this passport that was his uncle's passport with his picture, my dad's picture on it. Right. He was ready to go. This guy turned up just outside my nan's. My dad had already had a run-in with him he knew he was trying to stab him in the back he knew didn't trust him right and said to the uh, one of the, my dad's soldiers say this guy came with a driver he said my dad said to the soldier go by the driver if you do anything weird it does anything shoot him because <laughs> right. it's not they're gonna shoot us right. so anyway uh, the actual guy that that my dad didn't trust went towards my dad went to get something out of his pocket my dad just there and then shot him right. he was getting out a set of keys or something it was something that wasn't a gun but, wow. but you didn't my dad to wasn't, to didn't see. hesitate yeah. because he said he's going to wha- he's going to take me right right and and the driver was sort of pulling a gun out right. and his my dad's soldier i would I, I say right. shot him right. uh, i don't think he died the driver but that's sort of like, but he was right outside my non that's across the road. Right. My auntie lived on top and she was pregnant. He would never have done that. And then after that, he literally had to go. It was right. sort of, he, that's, and then he was, he was, I mean, when he came back, they reduced it to manslaughter. Yeah. And, uh, but I mean, my dad wasn't, he, he was what he was, wasn't right. he? He wasn't, uh, I, I guess you think he was a bad guy. Of course he was a bad guy, right. but it was his life.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, with, you, with, uh, with your experiences, though, um, was you ever worried that obviously you could get whacked or somebody
1: would... Oh, I nearly was on my wedding day. Wow. Uh, if my dad had turned up to my wedding, it was around the time he was wanted by police and that, so right. he wasn't going to turn up. But uh, my wedding day, um, the police were watching and apparently there was two guys on a bike with helmets ready to to shoot. If my dad had turned up or was in the in the I was in the Rolls Royce going to the venue afterwards. Right. After I got married, it was my granddad that was there. Right. He gave me away right. uh, because I knew that my dad couldn't be there. Right. But had my dad been there, they probably would have shot at the car.
2: Who 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 were they? Were they
1: they were the rivals that my dad then right. was. Right. They would offered a hundred grand for his head, and he right. was. Right. They it was at that, that period of time.
2: And what how, how, how was that resolved? Did he did he just like did they all just get wiped out, or or was there a truce? Well, yeah,
1: or? because obviously, and the family was at war at the time, so they saw weakness, right. so they tried to swoop in up north. Right. But my dad was too strong for them. Right. So they ended the war down south by ending that. They were backed up by other families, the arrival right. family. Right. So by ending that down south, it scared them. They're not going to win up there. They're not, and it wasn't. They was, it was the tension of they would try and do things. They didn't directly. I had to go around with. I had a gun in my car. Right. Did you have to
2: have shooting lessons, or did you? uh, uh,
1: (laughs) What with my dad? No, (laughs) because because well, I I had to sort of know how what how to protect myself.
2: Absolutely, Uh, because a lot of uh, I know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm. a quarter of Italian, mm. only the best part of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember <clears throat> my, my my nana was, um, she spoke hardly any English. And when we used to go and see her, because she married um, uh, my mum's my dad, who was, was a British soldier, and then come back with him, and they set up uh, here. Obviously had my mum and uh, her brother. And, and then we used to go, to go there once a week on a Sunday. Mm. And she had all these, like, Horses running around in the field. She had all these chickens running around. And um, I remember, like, uh, always encouraging me to go and play with the chickens. And then one day she came out and she, she grabbed this chicken and just, like, broke its neck. And then just went, Phew, with the and just started plucking it. Away.
1: In front and, of you. And
2: I, and I was just like.
1: How was just, old were you then? I was
2: about six. And I was just like, you just killed a chicken, right? And it's sort of, and, but it was just normal to it's her. It's a way of life and, over there. And then she cooked it. And there was a guy called Gennaro who was her brother yeah. and he lived in a house and he had a, a, a like a rifle and he would actually go out into the woods and shoot things and he, he would actually say to me, you know. Um, so yeah. so it's ingrained in that, you know, you have to do this, you have to do that. Yeah. And it was just it was, normal Yeah. But I used to call her funny nanny because yeah, I thought she he, was mad because yeah. she couldn't speak English and she was killing these chickens. So yeah. <laughs> I used to call her funny nanny. Yeah. Um, but, but for you, I mean, growing up in that thing... Um,
1: w- yeah, the shooting was down in the Shumara, which is a, it's like a waterway right. down in the fields. Well, it's yeah, so it's in between. Esasperato is where the family was. Right. So my, not- my nonno used to have a house down there. Right. Uh, well, it was more like um, apartment right. So one would be left for us in the summer, and right. a, a brother would live in another one. And so the sh- shooting was down there. The, they'd have rabbits Right. that they skinned a rabbit in front of one of the aunties right. in front. I was about similar age, right. seven, eight, probably. And I was like, please don't kill the white one. And she'd go and kill the white one. And, <laughs> and, 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 and then I remember she skinned it in right. front of me. I said, what are you going to do with the skin? And she said, I'll make you a pair of knickers if you want. I mean, they were harsh, <laughs> they were harsh, you know? And I was like, Just... and I, she wouldn't have said that if my dad was here. <laughs> you know, I was like, if my dad was here, she wouldn't have said that. Was we scared of my dad, you know. And it was that I felt as though sometimes they're a bit more harsher with right. me it because they had a thing about my dad. You know, when, when you
2: actually see an animal killed uh, for consumption,
1: it sticks in your. It head does. It, it is
2: quite traumatic, and I think that does put you off eating meat, and that's mm. probably why there's a lot of vegetarians. But um, yeah. it didn't put it didn't put me off instantly. The weird thing was. That chicken was the best chicken because yeah. it was fresh. So, so in yeah, a weird sort of way, even though I thought it was crazy. The actual end result was like, wow, that's the best chicken, and it was always the best chicken or the best pasta yeah. and the best sauces. You know, yeah, so, of course. Um,
1: I mean, it's just the way, you know, we're so far from that now. Right. We're so protected from that, aren't we? Yeah. We don't want to see what's being done before we eat what's on no. our plate. Uh, but in the olden ways, they had, it was that's how it was, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, So, wasn't so, it?
2: so, so, you're handed with a gun, and um, <laughs> <laughs> it was all. But, but, in the back of your mind, I mean, I take it when you was with Bruno, you'd always have uh, security or people that would be with you. So.
1: Most of the time, the security was who you were. No one would ever right. come near. You, you know, we right. we go to nightclubs. We was front of the queue, and it was free. Right. <laughs> That's how we lived. Not that we could go often. You know, people right, right. think we didn't really have much of a life. We couldn't. Right. We couldn't. You know, I couldn't really smoke, drink, right. do anything. Even though Laura's dad was massive cokehead,
0: right.
1: and it really put me off at the time. Thankfully right. that you know, but it was all there. So right. I smoked weed a bit. You know, right. it's one of them. I remember with my dad. I mean, my dad. My dad never smoked. Never drank. Never. Right. Completely, you know, you think right. the man that he is. Right. But he's very, even now, he's very into fitness. He's very fit for his age. He's very. Right. But I remember going to my nan's when she wasn't in a piazza. She, she got like a penthouse out just right. on the outskirts of Milan by then. And there was two lifts. And I remember I used to smoke, my dad didn't know I smoked. And I'd got by the front way, he'd come in the back way where the garages were. And I had a cigarette in my hand, and I thought, if I just put it out there now, he's gonna. I'm just gonna carry on. So I got in the lift smoking. We got to my nan's, and he took it, and he went, "I don't ever want to see you smoke again." I was 20, (laughs) you know, I was, and he put it out. I don't ever want to see you smoke, and I was, I was like, what's up? (laughs) I thought I did smoke, but I didn't in front of him, because I had enough respect not to do that. But then he was. I was going out taking, you know, Bridget Jones, risking my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't smoke, and even as I said, taking drugs or things like that, you, just, right. you were not allowed to. He right. would absolutely have gone mad, you know. And, and I'm not saying all the others right. did, um, but they too exaggerated because, of course, when you're young and you've got everything there, yeah, you are going to have it more, aren't you? So. Um, and
2: obviously, when your dad went to the. Um, yeah, to New York, and he after obviously shot the guy for pulling the keys out on him. <laughs> um, oh, this
1: is the what? when he went. No, in? this is this is another time. Ah. so this happened. So that was back in the eighties. Oh,
2: so this was, that was a different occasion.
1: Yes. Okay. So the the guard is when he got arrested. So around the time I got married. So I got yeah. married in ninety one. Okay. They arrested him then, but he escaped. Right so i was pregnant quite heavily pregnant i oh. got married in the april in the july he was arrested right. so he had in the prison so he'd been he's been shot a few times right so he's always had problems with his right. leg right. his arm always made it so it's a problem even right. more at the time right so he had a consultant in his pocket
0: right
1: in prison within the prison so normally obviously he was high risk category prisoner right They would never tell him when they are taking you, but through the consultant he knew.
0: Right.
1: Paid him. So he knew that at six in the morning on this day, this day, he was going to the hospital.
0: Right.
1: Now, the hospital had underground tunnels. Right. So they wouldn't take, obviously, through to where the public is. So, of course, everybody who was working for my dad was waiting there. Right. And they took him. And because the guard had actually said, threatened my dad. Wow. If anybody comes, you're the first to go, I'm going to shoot you. So my dad then said, you know, but the guard literally just peed himself after wow. because he thought, oh, my God, <laughs> he's going to shoot me now. Yeah, right. He's trying to goad my dad. Right. And then, Lord and behold, they all come in. It was the first stunt guns, actually. They just come from America. Right. And we got one. We managed to get one. Right. They were literally just out. The cops had it in America and and actually was dropped and then it was all the pavers. Oh my God, this stunt gun has never been seen in Italy, even no one's got one, you know? Right. And so what happened was he was then taken out, got taken to a local restaurant that we knew very well. Yeah. So there's all the helicopters, there's all this trying to find him and he sat there eating <laughs> in this restaurant. Next thing, he got smuggled out. And then, so by this time, this is all in court papers, so I can talk about this obviously. Right. So how we used to smuggle the cannabis was we had um, a massive coach, touring coach. Right. Uh, and we paid the guy that owned it. It was a double-decker one. And that all underneath had special compartments. And we would put it all under there. So we used this coach with legitimate people going on holiday right. from Italy. <laughs> so they sat there on, and this coach is full of <laughs> cannabis, <laughs> yeah? Going up and down to from Milan to Salou to wherever. So we used this guy to smuggle my dad out to Spain. So he had to go under where all the cannabis would be at different times. He had to go under that for however long to pass the borders. So I remember within 24 hours, he was in Spain, he rang us. I'd shut my house up, gone to Rimini. I don't know if you've heard of Rimini on the coast. Because I thought they are going to come to my house, police are going to come and raid my house and everything. Right. So I just shut the house, went. I was pregnant, as I said. Right. And he rang us and we were out eating and got the champagne out. He's free. Right. You know that? And we're all sort of, oh, yes, he's free. Of course that's, you know, he sounds a bit...
2: So, so, so he's... So, so, he, so he, he
1: escaped that time. He's escaped about three times. Wow. In his life. From, he escaped from Barcelona right. in the 70s. Actually, he escaped from... New York once, but they found him right. again the next day. Right. He's escaped from the Milan prison before he swapped with his brother, right. made his brother do about four months in prison. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, he swapped on a on visit because back then it was you didn't have CCTV, right. he looked very much like him.
0: Right. And his brother suits. went,
1: Yeah, I'll do it. I'll come out the next day. He spent three, four months, I gave it him. Wow. So that's <laughs> I'm laughing. It's not funny, but it's like you couldn't even make it up. And then the last, the last one was in Milan. Wow. And then we were gonna get in, we got mercenaries to get in from Portugal. Wow. Uh, prison, I paid Metis. a million t- for that, and to got the helicopter across in pieces. There was a Yugoslavian war going on at the time. Right. We had an arms dealer that was seen overseeing it all. <laughs> and I'd paid them to go and and then they found the helicopter, it all came, and but we were ready to get him out from Portugal. Then I mean, that's why I was a right. double-cat prisoner right, right, right. I mean, in it's... the UK. So I, I was a bit, why me? Why right. are they doing this? Obviously when I got arrested then for right. money laundering, right. they weren't taking any risks. But I'm saying, well, if my father's still in, so I ain't gonna go nowhere right. if he's right. still inside himself. I mean, your, your father's sort of, he's got this sort of
2: playboy, arms dealer, drugs dealer, a Houdini like character that's oh, running I this huge crime fan. I mean it's it's all the stuff with the the the, the drugs in the coach and, and there's all these like holidaymakers on the coach, <laughs> all sort of oblivious to what's but going on.
1: This is what I talk about when you it's under your nose. Right. It's blatant. And back then you're talking about early nineties. Wow. So I mean it wasn't like now obviously you've yeah. got all sorts now you can't there's big brother, I don't know yeah. these people out there get away with things now. You so know, any, to break any, in so the so, law. so so
2: any any of their um, listeners or viewers that are in their sort of 50s or sixties, if you went on a couch admittedly <laughs> you you could Is have been there, part of this.
1: <laughs> well, we were shipping it to to London here to London wow. as well. We were shipping it all over. Right. We were a big crime family back then here. Wow. Actually, they still owe my dad money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but um, wow. we were shipping. Obviously, when I talk about the million pound fine, they that was the money for. Wow. shipping the cannabis a- across here mm. so there was coaches coming up here wow and, when, and when
2: when when so, so obviously we've gone through this obviously dad's done these sort of various uh escaping um you know from these prisons and obviously you've had all this this war going on um you know I mean it's it's such a great story I mean what point did did you then c- c- sort of really come back to England, was was, was there was there like a I'm, turning point that made you sort of want to come back or?
1: Yeah, I think the pivotal point was when I had my daughter. Right. I really realised that was a slap in the face. I've got another life to think about. This isn't just me being selfish. So that was Granted. your
2: first first child? Yeah. Right.
1: So I was 21. Right. But then my father got arrested. Right. He, he, he escaped from Milan, the story right. I've just said. Then he went on the run. He was in Portugal. They arrested him after a year right. in '93. There, of course, uh, that's when I talk about the mercenaries and that, and then it all fell apart. They arrested everybody else. I was right. arrested in '94, um, and that was when you was in England, that was it. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, what happened was he was in prison in Portugal. I, I was heading back. I was visiting him, and and running our organisation. Right. So people say, you know, you took over. I didn't take over. Right. It was for my dad. My dad, I used to visit him in prison, get tickets, little notes, give it to his right. each person that he's used running. Of course, there was times logistically where I couldn't ask him questions. I couldn't, I had to take. Right. So I was 21, 22. Wow. You now I look at my children, I think I would never in a million years give them that responsibility. But, right. you know, people at, have said and then do my criminology. I thought, well, I must have been trustworthy and reliable enough for them to give me that with my dad. Yeah. This wasn't just about, wow. oh, she's the next thing I can trust. She's the next person I can trust because she's my blood. And But to be given such a responsibility, because he didn't give it to my uncle. My uncle wanted it from wow. me. He wanted to kick me up the bottom to take wow. it from me even. So there was in family fighting. My nonna wanted to take it. Wow. In, in a way. She wasn't quite like that. She supported me, but it was hard. Right. It was hard. So for that year, so I moved back to the UK. So I went to visit him and then they'd made the second arrest and I thought I rang up because I'd left Lara, my daughter, there right. with Bruno's family. Right. And I rang up and I said, I'm coming back now. Don't come. Your family's so second lot. of your family been arrested? We don't know if you're under that arrest warrant. Right. Some from Lisbon, I Flew to London, right. went back to my mum in Blackpool, but I did on my daughter. Wow. And I thought, how am I going to do this? I was, like, I was going out of my mind. Within two weeks, I flew to Nice. Right. Thankfully, my daughter was on my passport.
0: Right.
1: And my passport was Mariko.
0: Right.
1: My surname, I married. Now in Italy, when you marry, you don't take your husband's surname. I didn't know that. No. Oh, okay. So my, so, what I, I'm telling you this story because. Thankfully, because of the same surname, oh, they wouldn't have allowed me to take my child out wow. without the father's consent. So I went over the border. They gave me Lara, and I went to Nice, and I was so joyful. Obviously, I got my daughter. Then I came back to the UK, sort of carried on certain things, but then I was pulled back massively. By this time, I sent from the Koots Bank account the monies, right. bought a show house.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> you know, instead of sort of tried to do things but probably I shouldn't have done that, I should have just right. rented and put it somewhere else. Right. Then of course I got arrested a year later for money laundering in right. the UK. And
2: that was basically down to the Coach Bank account yeah, and then bought the, ad, the house. Ad right.
1: Sent the money here. Right. And they said, look, you know, um so when I was arrested, I went to Grizzly Risley. Right. Uh at the time in, in Warrington, is it, Manchester? Right. It was horrible there. And, and then they decided somewhere in Whitehall that I was going to be a double cat-a. Right. So they took me to Durham H-Wing. Right. Where then you had uh, the two IRA Brighton Bombers, Martina and Ella, eventually Mary Hinley, Rose West. I was inside with them. Wow. Uh, in Durham. Um, I don't know if I can mention this, but I'm actually doing a podcast called Criminal Women. Myself right. with the... A lecturer from Lancaster Uni, and wow. we talk about um, the women that I was inside with—not right. the Myra Lynn Rose West, because everybody does about that—but right. the other women, the element, the the side of it as um, the humane side of these women. Why? Right. What? How? Eventually, they'd become in there. You know, there's some stories that you actually think, you know, there was abuse or things that the judges didn't even take into consideration back then. Right, right, that's only right. just started in the last few years hasn't it the so the mitigation i guess of certain women how they snap and do things but I'm not condoning you right, know if you take right. a life you take a life but so we we and that's then on i do from education for harder education eventually hopefully right. towards the end of this year and next year and in workshops and that but um yeah. as a criminologist with lived experience i think that's um, important
2: though because i think there's a lot of people that do these things, but if if you've not been through it, you can only sort of, you know, do the academic side of it. But when you've actually been through it and experienced it, you can speak from experience and and knowledge, you know.
1: Yeah, with an an academic angle. So I went into doing a criminology degree because I was was curious to see. It wasn't any other reason, it was just for myself. So I'd been the criminal. (laughs) Let's see on the other side, what is the criminal? Why... Because I feel like I'm normal, whatever normal is. Right. Obviously, I'm not normal, right. <laughs> and I'm not. I've committed crimes. I've done. But if you look at the background, like the biological side of it, sociological side of it, right. you know, it's your environment. It's your DNA. It, it, almost your DNA. Where you're right. coming from. I know you do have choices. I had choices, and I was lucky enough to be over here to have choices. Right. But I still went down that path. Right. For my own reasons, as I yeah. explained earlier. Right. My issues uh, or whatever. I
2: mean, I mean, when you when you look when you was actually put into prison, um, you know what what was your sort of initial thoughts? Were, I mean, d- d- did you sort of feel that you'd been dealt a bad hand, or did you just think, you know, you just accepted it? And
1: I d- it, so it was not very nice. I was there and then I went to it took me about two weeks in H Wing, Durham. It's I was—I broke down. It really hit me, because I was with lifers, right. and I thought I'm on remand, but I'm never going to get out, because <laughs> I right. was a double category A prisoner. Right. So that an initial it was, you know, the the seriousness. I knew I was committing a crime, and right. I knew it was serious. But the seriousness of it was more to do with my dad, because he'd escaped, and he'd right, this right, and right. and my because as a person, I wasn't um, dangerous. Right. Right. You know, I didn't see myself as dangerous, but then I got it because right. of all that's around me. Of course, they're going to see me as dangerous. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I looked at some things, and Martina and Ella were the first Category A women, double Category A. So they were held as terrorists at the time, right. even though they say they were prisoners of war,
0: right.
1: IRA and etc. So I was the third double Category A in the UK. Wow. I've only just since found out. Top three? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So it was like, it was mad to think. So I I had experiences. It was bad for a woman because they didn't know how to handle the category A prisoners. It was all new to. So when I used to get the escorts, they used to stop at male prisons. Right. So they took me the first time. So I'm talking, so I did my sentence in the UK. I was rearrested on a European arrest warrant for Italy. Right. So I got three years, nine months here for money laundering. And then Italy wanted me for an umbrella of organized crime. Right. So when I was released in Durham, I was rearrested, brought down here to be booked in at Charing Cross Station, went to Bow Street back then, they did the extradition, it's closed now, I think. And they, um, and then they sent me back to Durham. So uh, I went to Holloway the first time I appeared in court. Right. By this time I'd been inside I was quite, you know, I knew about how things worked and and they took me to Holloway and I was shut in for 24 hours and I was sort of saying, look, I'm allowed to go out, you need to, it's not my fault you haven't got helicopter lines, you know, you can't (laughs) keep a category A, it's not, and I wish I hadn't said anything because the next time I went to Belmarsh, they shut a whole hospital uh, corridor to put me in one of the cells, they put a, a sheet on the window which overlooked a courtyard and said, if you look outside this window, the men are gonna cre- keep you up all night. Right. So I was like, Oh god, I don't want that. So I didn't look out the window, I didn't speak. Right. They kept shouting, they knew there must have been someone. Right, right. So, but what they did was, bearing in mind I come from a really high category prison, very secure. I was I was shackled to an officer and I was cuffed in a van. I arrived at Belmarsh. They didn't really know how to deal with me it was two prison officers and so women when they get searched search you search you search your top half first right. your bottom half you must never be naked
0: right
1: they stripped me naked Right. give me a dressing gown i had to squat on top of a metal detector right. didn't ask me if i had any you know time of the month sorry right, to be right, so right. specific yeah, yeah. they didn't care even if I had 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 that. Right. So I w- by this time, I'd been in, inside quite a while. So when I went back to Durham, I, p- I appeared in court. I was so angry, I wrote to my MP, I wrote to everyone. So I thought, right. This is wrong, the way I was treated. It's a male prison if they don't know how to. So I actually got an apology from Director General. Right. And bearing in mind, the category prisoners are Home Office prisoners. Right. They're not prisoners of the governor. Right. The Home Office has to, is sort of, has the last say on. Right. don't know if you knew that, but that's how it works. So, the next time I went to Belmarsh, I had the governor at the door, I had the Samaritans, I had the the priest, I had everyone making sure, and I got treated better. But I had to sort of, because obviously you're a name and a number. Right. But actually, you're still a person. Yeah. You're still, you know, and I always say, if you... You go to prison. You know the first day if you're going to be going back. It's people that go in and out, in and out all the lies. right? Don't they? And they don't. Yeah. They take the risk. But I knew from the first day I was never going to come back in there, right? Because and I haven't, I haven't broken the law
0: right.
1: to go back in. Thank God. When, when you, you, know, you had the
2: when you had that that terrible experience and then they said there was obviously there's an arrest warrant for you in Europe for for, for the Italian side of it. Um,
1: was that... Oh, I got extradited to Italy then, and I had to go to an Italian prison. Wow. Now, that was a totally different... You know, I get asked from the British prison to the Italian.
0: Right.
1: So the British, you've got, so you've got the gym, education, sweatshop, that's what they call it. You can yeah. work. There's more to do. as a structure in the day. Right. Uh, of course, if you're on remand, you don't even have to come out of your cell right. if you don't want to. In Italy, you got four hours a day outside, which is brilliant. It's red hot as right. well. Right. Um, there's no gym, There's no. you're stuck literally on a wing right. all the time, you know, and it was obviously hot, and it was, so I used to, because I'd been, I went to the gym about four hours a day when I was in, that's right. what kept me going in my mind, right. and kept made me sleep at night. Right. I wasn't on medication, thank God I never right. had to, right. uh, even now I probably need it <laughs> sometimes, <Right>. but <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, and I didn't, and my, I mean, these Doctor used to say, "Do you want some volume?" And I go, "No, no, no! I don't want anything." And the girls would go mad with me, going, "Why didn't you take it? And we'll have it!" <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> you know, it was all like, "Oh no!" And so in Italy, I used to make the girls there go out and do the gym. I used to right. be the instructor. Right, right, they right. let me on my ghetto blaster. Amazing. Um, they ma- they let me have it from from. Uh, from the UK when I got extradited, she um, was like
2: the mismotivator motivator of the yeah. prison.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I guess I was, and it was good. I made them do cartwheels, handstands, because you know you're in there. You, it's like your life stops right. and your person stops.
0: Right.
1: And it's easy to give them tablets to keep them right quiet.
2: What, happen- what uh, happened? What uh, happened with the? Um, but did, how long was you actually in in the pre- in the Italian prison? So court?
1: I was I was I was convicted to. 10 years. Wow. So then I went, I pleaded sort of guilty. It's called Rito Abbreviato. It's not quite guilty. I can't expect laws. is right. so different. Right. The, so they went down to six years. Right. And so when I got rearrested in the UK, so the Italian, lo- so the Italian, when they investigate something here, you've got the police, takes it to the um, prosecution. They decide if there's a case or not. Right. In Italy, it's the prosecutor that leads a case.
0: Right.
1: So they, when I got arrested within five days, should have come over here to interrogate me. Right. They didn't. So my solicitor in Italy found this loophole right. that they hadn't, it's like here, if you get arrested, you've gotta be interrogated within 24 hours, 36 right. hours, and charged.
0: Right.
1: There was none of that. So th- my solicitor found this loophole and I basically was released. Right. Even though I'd been sentenced already.
0: Right.
1: And it sounds crazy, this, but I was released uh, out um, because pending, obviously I, I should finish at some point my time. Right. But at that moment they had to release me because they hadn't interrogated, they hadn't, they, the procedure was wrong.
2: Right, right.
1: And what It's like charging me, arresting me taking me to court, sentencing me without having interrogated me. Right, right, right. It sounds crazy, Which and right. obviously they got away with it, but right. actually they didn't. So after 14 months of being in a prison there, I got released.
2: Wow. So what what was the total amount of prison time that you served? I did
1: just over four years. Right, wow. So I got just under 14 years altogether. Wow. But thankfully, because of this loophole. So what happened then, I asked for the customer next size still add my passport. Right. My mum had kicked up a big fuss saying I'd been released. They sent me my passport. I came back home.
0: Right.
1: So I came back home with my daughter. Nine years later, ten years later, I get to not to arrest me again for this Italian to do my time in Italy. Wow. Yeah. So by this time, my mum had got cancer. My child had another child. It was quite... So I went to court for that. Another extradition fight. Thankfully, Judge Howard is called. I forget his name. He sort of said he didn't believe that I didn't know not to leave Italy, but he understood why I did. Right. And under the courts of human rights, uh, due to family, you know, and then and, and that that he wasn't prepared to send me back. Right. Because it wouldn't benefit anyone. I'd been out 10 years. I stayed, And I wasn't a fugitive because right. my kids were at school. I had a doctor. You know, anyone that clicked to right. anywhere could find me. So, thankfully, he saw that.
2: You must have thought that when that happened, it was like, "Oh no, not again!" Yeah, it's going to
1: end? This is two thousand nine. Wow, you know, we're talking fourteen right. years ago. So I'd right. been out ten years. I kept my head down. Right. Thank God. No, the prosecutor took me to the bait to the old Bailey. Wow. Is it? He he said, "No, I'm not. I'm not happy with this result." So went right. to the courts of appeal. Hmm. The courts of appeal. I mean, I was actually shot. The guy just went. The judge. Said, you're talking about a woman that sat there from 20 years ago. Right. She's been inside. She's, the, you know, the, there was still trying to sort of, it's like I was on trial again, right. even though I'd done them four years. So they say, you know, prison, uh, it's uh, you get rehabilitated, which isn't, right. it's habilitated, isn't it? You do right. your time, you're habilitated because you're going forward, aren't you? Right,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: So I'd done all that. I'd come out, I hadn't broken the law again. So right. what would be the point of sending me back in?
0: Right, makes and of sense. Of course,
1: and all things were going on with p- family, it was more for them. Right. I'd I'd have done the time because I'd done it before, and not that I'd wanted to, but it it was more my children and, and you know, my mum was poorly. I'd never seen my mum again. Right. In fact, she died three years later. Right, so it's Fortunately, she's died, but, yeah. you know, for cancer. And, and it's so... Um,
2: your, n- your nana, is she still around or is she...
1: She died about four what? years ago. Wow. She's 86, 87. Wow. Wow. She still... And you know what? Till the day she died, she was on house arrest. Really? She, yeah, because even... She was a Zimmer frame. <laughs> and she was walking around the house and let out for two hours a day. Wow. But they said, it's the mind is still sharp. Right, wow. So the mind, because the mind is sharp. Right. They was They said, no... Honest, I laugh at it because, but it's not funny. Bless her, you know. She, I say that, you know, you're going back to talking about non heroina, granny heroin, and that she lost kids with heroin. Yeah. She's paid, she pays so highly for doing, for her sins, I guess, you know. She paid, I mean, she used to give everything to the church. Do
2: you think she'd make
1: it and give it to the church?
2: Do you think, do you think, um, that she thinks she, Ever, because of that, made her want to stop? Or do you think it, she just couldn't stop because she was...
1: She was... That's all she knew. It wasn't someone that could just go out and get a job. How could right. she? And it was all about survival. It wasn't initially... It wasn't about making money and right. showing off what you got. Yeah. She'd always have an apron. She could have afforded God knows what. Right. But she still had a simple dress and an apron on all day.
0: Right.
1: So it wasn't... It was about taking care of the family. Right. If she had money all her money went to her family, especially the weakest ones, the ones with, you know, a lot went to clinics to to dry up to, to, she paid a lot of money to get them and they didn't. And it was sort of, it was a vicious circle. At some point she didn't want them to go out there and get it from someone that might have been cut really badly and they could overdose. So she'd give it them, she'd have to give it. And that sounds awful as a mother. But actually, until you're in them shoes, right. what would you do? You, you you sort of think your child's going to go out there. It's like, you know, and, and with anything like that, you can trust what you've got, but you can't trust what anybody else. It says It's a vicious circle. It's awful. And I would never want to be in that position, thank oh. God. But I, I'm not going to judge her no. for that. Because of whole the rest, the good side of her that she had, and I, and I do feel, I mean, she used to send a lot of, she used to come in with, you know, the shoplifters come with the clothes and that. Right. A nice clothes designer. And she'd send it all to the nuns to go into the prison. Wow. So all the prisoners in the That's lab were I all dressed in designer. clothes. <laughs> you know, and she, and she would, and she could have easily have sold it and made some money. She And she wouldn't, you know, she, and as I said, it wasn't any, all she was, you know, she'd have the dolls that she liked. She used to have a collection of dolls which are creepy. Then she'd have a collection of perfumes. Right. You know, and I'm talking about, you know, the big perfumes that you have in the shops. You'd yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. have them there and you but that's her only little thing that she had. Right. Um that was it. She didn't go on a holiday, she didn't have an expensive car outside, she didn't even drive. Oh, wow. She didn't have it was all about the family. She would cook from six six in the morning, and there'd be twenty of us at dinner time. Wow. My uncles would come with the kids and the wives and the, you know, and then and then me and my auntie my age we were there we'd be clearing up after which we weren't happy about. Mm. What was
2: her? What was her, What was her signature dish?
1: Oh, there was a few. That she, she used to do tripe. Right, see that. The best tripe. Sorry, apparently the right. best. I've never tried it though. No, and I when wouldn't. You say tripe, tripe.
2: My nan used to make tripe sandwiches, and it always used to make me feel ill. It just looked disgusting. I never tried it, but.
1: Apparently she wasn't. lived till
2: she was ninety nine, so there must have been something in that yes. tribe that got them, kept them going. Yeah,
1: yeah <laughs> probably. But apparently, spice it was. Even my my mum met it. Right. And she was a bit. I wish I'd have tried it actually, because right. I probably. But she was apparently really good. Pasta right. fagioli. Right. Um, bean pasta. Right. Pasta ceci. Right. Just just all the legumes and and yeah, she yeah. Was just good at everything. I've got a few. I know a few of the dishes. I I do myself a lasagna. Right, right. Uh this is a bit different from the normal lasagna. Right. Um so I picked up on a few things that she yeah. did. And and
2: obviously look at, with, with with your father, what what when he fa- finally couldn't escape anymore? Sorry. Um and uh had you know, the the, the you know, the his prison centre. How long did he actually get in you know when he when he sort of did his time?
1: He got life. Wow.
2: And what what does that so, mean in Because... Obviously, life here doesn't mean
1: uh, no. yeah, so um, I think I think it's thirty years. Thirty. Yeah. Wow. A lot of my family members got thirty years. It was the military weapons right. that were involved. Right. They really stamp, You know, they really made the family pay for that. Right. Um, but with my dad, it was a different. With he got life because. Uh, there was a Gomorrah guy at the time, when all this was going on, that someone had, had done something that lived in the area. We knew the person. Right. And he'd done something uh, to them. So the Gomorrah guy is quite high up, came and asked permission to kill him. Right. To my nonna and my dad. They obviously gave the permission. The guy got killed. I mean, people asked me actually, what's the worst thing that you uh, that you actually carry right. is the fact that I knew this guy was going to die because I walked into the conversation in the kitchen. Right. I overheard it. I knew the guy, I knew he had a wife, I knew the kids. Right. It was harsh, it was bad. But people have got to think, if my nonna and my dad hadn't said yeah, it could have created a war with the Gamora. Right. <laughs> so that's how, you know, you can't, It's it's, they... They didn't need to ask, but they did, because they have to, out of respect. And obviously, we've got a family behind doors, it's not. So, because of that, my nonna and my dad got live. Wow. Because they just said, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's you know, which, so my, by this time, my dad was in Portugal. Right. So when they extradited it in Italy, they extradited him for certain uh, crimes. Then he got to Italy, and they did him for murder wow. they did him for this for this right. so but then he went to the courts of human rights and they said you can't do that if you extradite on one thing from another country you can't right. then add on right. it's complicated all laws every every law is so different wow. um but yeah it was, uh, so that's that's why but a lot of even Lara's dad Bruno he did uh, nearly 20 years inside Wow you got 30 years.
2: And, f- and from your personal perspective, Marissa, um, when you look back over your life, do you look back and say, if I did it again, I'd just do the same thing? Or, d- or do you sort of look back and wish you could change things? Because some people do look back in the past and wish they could change things. And other people look back and say, I've done it, I've learned, I'm where I am now. And then I'm doing this now. You know, so
1: Yeah. I think I wish I the hurt I caused my mum. Right. I wish I could take that back.
0: Yeah.
1: That's my main and obviously then the repercussions with my children with right. because of my life. Right. Um I, I do regret a lot of things that I did. Some things I don't and I wouldn't be who I am today. Right. Had I not done certain things. So and I'm quite you know, I was ashamed for a long time. Right. Uh, you know, after I'd been inside, I kept my head down and then I just thought that was me and I sort of went in a shell. It wasn't me. It's right. only in the last few years that um the last ten years maybe, that for ten years I was so shut down.
0: Right.
1: I didn't want anybody to know who I was. And I don't now. Right. I don't divulge if I'm in a group I'm in a room. It'd have to be someone saying, Oh, you're that person and If they ask me things, and I'll tell them, you know, I don't have a problem with that. But I don't, I just, I don't, I do, of course, everybody has regrets. Yeah. We all do things at 17, 18, however big or small, you know, that we regret doing. It's human nature, isn't it? Um, I don't regret being the person I am today, though.
0: Right, right.
1: I just feel that I've learned a lot, possibly more tolerant of things that maybe someone my age wouldn't be. Right. Uh, if had I not been through that experience,
0: yeah.
2: Well, I think I think you're, uh, you know, um, you, you mentioned earlier about you've been sort of studying the criminology side, and um, yeah, you're doing and these that, talks and these podcasts. I mean, it all sounds like
1: I just want to give something back.
2: Yeah, doing something positive.
1: Yeah, and for, for something negative to right. turn it into something positive. You know, when in it, going into the schools, my priority would be to talk more about the red flags of what's going on with these younger people now, right. such as the money muling, right. the county lines, right. you know, uh, how to deal with a bank account. Right. I mean, the government's talking about doing maths till of teen. You know, of course, yeah, maths matters, but what matters is doing the maths of having a bank account. Right. So a money muler doesn't come along and say, oh, well, if I put two grand for your account, I'll give you 200 quid. Someone at 17, 18 that's a student is gonna do it. Right. And then they're gonna get done for money laundering. Right. It's its teaching them now. Yeah, but we're what, so what, shut down yeah, yeah. society and what goes on, especially middle class. Right. And it happens to them, you know, and, and, and it's—it's they don't want to see what they want to see. Right. They don't want to see with people with lived experience. Mm. I drive my children mad
0: right.
1: because I'll <laughs> say, if you do this, my son's 22. Right. If you go out, you have a fight, you hit someone, you hit him, hits his dead, he's dead. Right. You're going in for manslaughter. That easy. You know you need to think about what you're doing. Don't put yourself right. in a situation. And I drive them mad, and I drive my daughter mad with certain things. And I, and I think I'm protecting them. Right. Because I've seen it.
2: But that's the thing, isn't it? I suppose, really... Um, because of your life and because of what you've seen and experienced, you know, y- y- you can probably be a, a better role model to your children because you're going you're to see, yeah. see what's coming. Yeah, yeah. You,
1: you're you seeing, looking 360 degrees, you can see, well, if you do that, you do that. You do that. I think you're I bet so you're
2: always going on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'm so dramatic. But actually, no, because it oh. does happen. Yeah. But Because a lot of people are cocooned. Right. In a world where it doesn't happen and they're very lucky yeah. in that way. You know, you, you go in the country and they sort of cocoon the, the right. whinge about stupid things. Right. <laughs> and then you say, well, just go down the road to that estate. Right. And you tell me if you'd be still <laughs> whinging about that there or right. a piece of paper on the floor. Right. You know, and you've got the bin going through your window or something. You know, it's, it's, it's I mean, I grew up, I was born in a council house. Right. Grew up in a council. The Last twenty years, I've been in a council. My life has changed in right. the last few years, but I'm still the person, You know, and I'm not taking that away. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't matter t- where you're from. Right. It doesn't. It's as long as you're right with yourself. Right. Then you can be right with others. Yeah. You know, and and, and be right with people and do the right thing. Uh, and it's not easy. People think, oh, you're a gangster. This and you break the law and. We can all do that, but can you do the time? Because that's what it comes down to. You know,
2: I've met loads of people um, throughout, you know, my my life and my career. I've obviously made films about criminals, you know, alive and dead. I've obviously done documentaries. We've done, you know, before I got into films and and acting, Um, I was in the club scene. So obviously you meet lots of characters and all the ones that went on the wrong side of the tracks, they've ended up in jail or dead. You know, yeah. so there's there's. I don't think I've, I've I've ever met anybody that's chosen that life. That's gone. Oh, great! I've everything's been amazing, and I've I'm I'm walking around. Well, you live
1: I'm, by the sword, you die by the sword. That is yeah. that life. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I've not even touched on my son's father. I, I so I came out of prison in '98. I was writing. He he wrote to me in prison. Right. I was writing to him for four years. I used to get loads of guys that used to write to me and I used to say, oh, I'm married. I, can't, I don't want to know. <laughs> it's, not, right. but it's not, but if somehow I just thought, oh, it's nice to have a pen pal. He seems a bit older, you see. Anyway, he wasn't, he was just a couple of years older than me and then he turned right. out, he's a really nice looking guy and blah, blah, blah. Frank Burley, my son was right. called that. Right. He's from Leeds, he was in that world. Right. He then got released, he was pulled back in. Within six months he got shot dead in Leeds. I was three months pregnant. Wow, and you know, and, and, and I thought you could think that well, she still hasn't learned. <laughs> no, all I know that this guy was telling me he was coming out to a life that he'd done with that life. I was in love with him.
0: Right.
1: I wasn't seeing exactly what he was doing, but I was starting to get, and I was pregnant. You know, it's right. it's sort of I was thirty years old. You know, right. there's all the oldie and I'm not making excuses in, and I did love him at the time, and it right. was it was hard, uh, and then he got shot dead, and it was like I've just been within a year of of, two, of coming out of prison. I wrote to this guy, and I know it sounds crazy. When I used to diss the girls that used to write to guys in prison and right. fall in love with, how can you fall in love with someone that you don't? But actually, you can write so much more on a piece of paper, right? On right. an A4, ten sides. You can write so much more, and you can deeply get to know right. than just sat there every night watching the telly with someone out. you know. And and actually, I was so wrong about that. Wow. So by the time of four years, he gets, I gets out, he gets out. Then I went to visit him for a year before he got out. Wow. He was a Category A prisoner, and um, and that happened, and my son came along. Right. So you can imagine, with my son I'm so overprotective. Right, absolutely. Because what happened with his dad, you know, and I thought I was always going to be on my own for the rest of my life. Because I thought I'm so such a complicated woman in a way, but right. I am and I'm not. And what men find attractive, then it becomes a problem for them because right, I am right, such right. a strong woman, right. I guess. And then I met my husband and I'm married now. Been married a year. I'm really happy. And Amazing. He's, Amazing. yeah, he's he's got a company. He's very. Regular guys in, right, you know, right. he's, he's very legitimate, I should right. say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was a cleaner up to do my co- my course, right. uh, my uni, and now, obviously, I do talks, I speak. Yeah, amazing. Trying to get into the educational side of criminology, lived experience, right. and uh, I'd love to change from policy. I'd love for the politicians to listen to us. Right. I have got this lived experience of what works and what doesn't, because, vis- you know, prison is just a vicious circle. Right. You know, you sort of wash your hands with them out, and then they just come straight back in. It's just never going to end. I mean, the the do, do you still
2: speak to Bruno? Is are you still?
1: Uh... Um yeah, Lara, my daughter goes right. to see him. Right. Um, I'm, I saw him last year actually. We were over right. there uh, with my, hus- my husband, right. and he met my husband. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's with someone else. You know, yeah. life goes on. Yeah. Um, he's not had any other children, but. Right. Um, yeah.
2: What about your dad? Where's, what's, what's he doing now? Where's he?
1: So my dad's in Italy. Right. And he's actually a qualified chef now. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So he's changed his life around uh, quite a lot right. since uh, since everything's happened. Right. You um, probably, I can't, you know, go m- too much into my dad's
2: situation
1: right. as in, but uh, you're probably better asking him.
2: I mean, <laughs> that was what I was going to come on to. I was going to. I know it's a bit cheeky, but um, do you think you might be able to convince your dad to come on and, and talk to us? I,
1: I think so. If you make him an offer, he can't refuse.
2: Yeah, me. I'll always make him an offer. <laughs> tell him Big Terry's going to call him. Call him for a sit-down.
1: The Criminal Connection hey. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, that would
2: be amazing. Uh, uh, does, does, he, does he speak Is, is, he, is he speak English?
1: He's a bit broken. He obviously, he was in America for a few years, so he's right. picked up. Because uh,
2: he sort of just walking out? Get the fuck out of here! Yeah,
1: I think he's very much like that. When I, and I'm like, the children are here, Dad. Your great grandchildren are here. Do not say that. You know, you'll just speak to them like that. Right. So, uh, no, he's 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 of course he's very humble right. in his ways.
2: Well, in, well I, I told him if you could make him an offer, he, could, he couldn't refuse. You could get him on, and maybe you could come back on with him um, just in case. Uh, we need to translate. Yeah, um, I mean that'd be amazing.
1: Well, I'm his little princess, aren't I? So I'm quite sure. I'll Right. I'm come down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no,
2: Marissa, thank you so much for coming on. Um, it's been it's been a pleasure talking to you and, and hearing your stories. And I mean, it's just it's just sort of it's such a crazy life you've lived and ex- the things mm. you've experienced. You know. Yeah. Um, well,
1: you know, as I said, it, I am because of it. I am who I am today. And yeah. I wouldn't change that. I'm happy with who I am today. It took a long time, yeah, but more than happy. I'm at peace. You have got a book out as well. Yes, which I have here. Oh, the princess. I've actually signed it for you. Oh, so, and you so it was much. actually made into a series. Right. Came out last year on Amazon Prime. First right. Italian series. Bang bang baby. Right. Okay. I wasn't happy with the title at first. Right sounded a bit pornographic. Right. I thought. <laughs> and I thought I don't like this. Sorry, but right. I was And then of course it's the song the bang bang he shot me down. Right. Uh, what, I've not Sinatra. seen that. I'm going to watch Nancy that. Nancy Sinatra. Yeah. Right. Well so the the plot is completely different to my book. Right, okay. But the relationships and the characters of right. my nonna, my dad and myself is actually quite good. Amazing. So uh, it's very much uh, an eighties, if you like all the music, right. yeah, the absolutely. styling. It's good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's obviously I'm happy with it. You know, who who has something like this, having done what I did, right. and you've got a book, and then I've got a series. But uh, well, it's
2: good you've been able to share your story though, through through you know print and through through visual. You know, I'm just through. happy
1: that people are interested enough to want to know. To be fair.
2: You know something, I don't know any Mafia princesses, so um, I can now say I do.
1: Ah.
2: (laughs) You know, I'm really good to meet you, Mr. And, uh, you know, thank you all so much for listening and watching Criminal Connection. Um, Can't wait to share our next guest with you. Um, We'll see you next week.
1: Planning for your next trip?